Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of the Motherkind podcast with me your host Zoe Blasky where each week I chat about all things motherhood and well-being. My mission with this podcast is to help you reconnect to you, to feel happier, more joyful, calmer and that little bit kinder to yourself because I think life as a mum in this hectic modern world is hard enough as it is. I believe becoming the happiest, most alive version of ourselves is the most important and inspiring thing we can do for our children. This episode is kindly sponsored by NHS Test and Trace. With the kids finally back at school, hurrah, and some normalcy returning, we're all keen to keep life moving, aren't we? So, NHS Test and Trace are encouraging all adults in England to get tested twice a week using totally free rapid COVID-19 tests, which are now available for all adults in England. So, testing is going to help prevent the around one in three people who have COVID-19 but with no symptoms. So, they spread it with absolutely no knowledge that they are doing that. So we're all really busy, but rapid testing is a fast and easy way to find out if you have coronavirus with results in around 30 minutes. Isn't that brilliant? So you can order tests to home, which is what we've been doing. Go to a test site or participating pharmacies. For more information and guidance online, go to nhs.uk forward slash get tested. That's nhs.uk forward slash get tested. And the more of us that take part, the more we can help protect each other. So, on to this week's episode. Hi everyone, welcome to this week's episode of the Motherkind podcast. This week I am re-releasing one of my favourite conversations, which was from July last year with Amy Taylor-Kabaz, all about matrescence. But before you get to the episode, I want to tell you about something really exciting. So, For the past three years, about every single day, someone has asked me on Instagram or in my emails about doing a group coaching program. And to be honest with you, the time just has never felt right to do it until now. So I'm so excited to tell you that I am doing my first ever group program. We're going to start together on the 23rd of June. And as a podcast listener, I would love, love, love to have you as part of the group. It's going to run for a month and it's all about empowerment. So we're going to be covering boundaries, energies and values. There's only space for 30 of you and there are only a few spaces left. Enrolment closes on the 20th of June and because it's the first one, I'm offering it at a hugely discounted price. So if you feel like you need a boost of connection, clarity and to be with the like-minded Motherkind community, then we would love to have you as part of the group. Head to motherkind.co to find out more. And here is the re-released episode. Amy Taylor Kabaz is an author, a journalist and a matrescence activist. You may remember we had Dr. Alexandra Sachs on the podcast a few years ago, I think about 18 months ago, talking about matrescence. So Amy really continues on from that conversation. For more than a decade, Amy's been trying to answer this question, what happens to a woman when she becomes a mother? And Amy describes how she searched for these answers everywhere 
And she couldn't really find anything that described what she had been through and what nearly 5,000 women that she had spoken to had been through too. And then she heard this word matrescence. And I really relate to first hearing that word, understanding what it meant and really relating and making sense actually of the confusing experience that I had and I know many of you had becoming a mother. So matrescence is this radical identity shift that a woman goes through as she becomes a mother. And it's kind of like adolescence. Like we all know about adolescence as we become from those awkward teenage years into an adult. Matrescence is the same thing, but for when we become a mother. So just like adolescence, it's a time when everything changes and our whole identity shifts. And Amy says that when a woman becomes a mother, she splits in two, who she used to be and the mother. And she says, unless we honour that radical shift, we'll get lost trying to figure out who we are now. Isn't that powerful? I so relate to that. Who am I now? That question of when we become a mother. So this conversation is brilliant. I really hope that you're going to take a lot of Amy's wisdom and knowledge. She is incredibly knowledgeable in this area. She has a fantastic book out called Mama Rising. I highly recommend you have a look at it. And here is the episode. Hope you enjoy. So Amy, welcome to the podcast. It's taken us a while, hasn't it, to get together, but I am absolutely thrilled to be having this conversation this morning, this evening for you. You're in Australia, aren't you? I am. I'm in Sydney right now. (laughs) It's lovely to be with you finally. Yes. And, you know, I think we've got so much alignment, you know, and I loved your new book called Mama Rising that you've just published with Hay House. And I can't wait to hear more about the kind of story beneath those words, which is what I kind of love hearing. So to start with, how did you find yourself becoming a matrescence activist? <laughs> did you ever think that that would be your calling in life? Not at all. <laughs> Not at all. Although I think there's always been an activist in me. I grew up being obsessed with reading about freedom fighters in World War One, the women that crossed enemy lines to bring others out. And I've always had this idea of telling stories and making change in this world. But I thought I was going to do it as a foreign correspondent. I went straight from uni into the ABC here in Australia and spent 15 years there in my career. I think if someone had told ambitious activist girl that you'd end up talking about motherhood and teaching meditation and mindfulness and spirituality to mothers around the world, I think I would have thought I was failing. (laughs) To be totally honest, it wasn't what I thought I would be doing. But that's been the part of this whole experience for me is undoing beliefs of who I thought I should be to finally find who I am. That's so powerful, isn't it? And you talk about that we're going to get into matrescence, this idea that you talk about so powerfully. And we have talked about before on the the podcast, you say when you become a mother, you're split into two, the woman that you used to be and the woman that you now are as a mother. And we think that we can compartmentalize that, but that's what drives us crazy. Tell us about your own kind of rock bottom around trying to be it all do it all because I think so many people are still there you know 
Tell us about that, how you hit bottom and why do you think hitting bottom is important? You talk about that in the book. I call it the inner split. It was this sense of when I gave birth, I have three children. My eldest is now 12. When I gave birth to her, I felt like I split in two. I really wanted to be a mother, but I had no concept, as I think most of us do, of what it actually means. I mean, I knew about the sleep and the reality of breastfeeding and everything, but I didn't understand what it would be to me as a person. And with this such strong ambition that I had when I first became a pregnant, I found that so difficult, Zoe. I didn't know how to marry these two parts of myself. And so in my research now, I now understand that this is the inner split of matrescence, this experience of not being fully a mother yet, but also not being free or evolved from who you were. Matrescence is this transformation. It's this period of time where you are undoing who you were and becoming who you are going to become, but you aren't there yet. It's like adolescence, as many of your listeners would have heard, you're not a child anymore, but you're also not an adult. So you have this period of time where you're in limbo and that limbo is intense and questioning everything and your body changes and your hormones change and your brain completely rewires and what you used to like suddenly isn't so important anymore and you find yourself an activist for things that didn't bother you before. All of these things that happen to teenagers is also what happens to us after we become mothers. But 12 years ago, there wasn't even that many mummy bloggers around. I wasn't even on Facebook when my daughter was born. It was a very different time. There wasn't much conversation about women in motherhood. And so being a journalist and a researcher, I looked around and thought, why isn't anybody talking about how hard this is for you as a woman? Everyone's talking about how hard it is to breastfeed or to get them to sleep, but you yourself, you feel uncertain of yourself. For me, for the first time in my life, I had always been able to research my way or work hard enough to get through anything. And suddenly that didn't work. You know, I had to completely surrender. I was on my knees with a very unhappy baby, very broken, and it really broke me. I didn't understand what was happening to me. So then over the next few years, I continued to try and understand this, but in a way that really just meant I pushed it down. It's called in feminist literature, if anyone is interested in these things like I am, it's called self-silencing. It's something that we do when we think we're the only ones that are having this problem, that we're not doing it well enough, that we're failing at something. We don't want to say out loud because nobody else is talking about it. There's no name for it. So we swallow it and we self-silence ourselves and we push it down. And this is what so many of us as mothers have always done because we have this completely unrealistic expectation and stereotype of what it means to be a good mother, what it means to be able to balance your work-life balance and all of the things that we expect women and mothers to do when really we're in this period of massive change, massive transformation. And when we deny that, when we self-silence it, we usually then have a breaking point. And that breaking point for me was not until my 
third pregnancy, a very unexpected and unplanned pregnancy. I was working full-time here in Sydney for the leading breakfast program on radio, which meant that I was up at 3.30 every morning to start work at four and chasing the Prime Minister and leading stories and running around and thinking I was doing everything that that young, ambitious version of myself wanted for her life and then rushing home at midday and writing for magazines and then picking up my two babies from daycare and just thought I was superwoman. People would say to me, I don't know how you do it, Amy, and I took that as a huge compliment. My ego loved that because I was hanging on to this old dream. I didn't want to let go of who I thought I needed to be. Behind the scenes, I was really unhappy. I had a terrible thyroid disease that just kept flaring up, was always grumpy at my kids because I was exhausted. And then when I was 28 weeks pregnant with my little boy, my third child, I went into early labor and was very scary because he was very small. I have really little babies. They were putting in the steroids to strengthened his lungs while I was in labor. The contractions were every three minutes. The room was full with all of the doctors and the specialists. And thank goodness I was in the right place at the right time with the best doctors. And they were able to slow the contractions down on and off for the next five days. And the specialist was very, very blunt with me, came in, sat on my bed, looked me in the eye and said, Amy, your lifestyle is causing your baby to be dangerously small and born. He bluntly told me it was my job, it was my stress levels, it was my inability to slow down. And so I spent five days on that bed trying to keep this baby in and I literally got my girlfriend to bring in a notebook and I started writing in this notebook, why can't I slow down? Why can't I be happy with being a mum? Why do I have to keep proving myself and proving myself and proving myself? And that was six years ago and that's how all of this has now unfolded and that's how I can now be a matresses activist. (laughs) It all started on that bed. And when you asked yourself that really powerful question, why can't I slow down, what did you find? At the time, to be honest, not much. And... To be honest, it's taken me years to be able to understand and answer that question. I think I probably only truthfully understood the answer to that for me two years ago. It's taken me a very long time to understand and I went on a long and winding path trying to understand it. I knew there was something about proving myself. I knew that there was something about this dream that I had set And this is so important, I think, about matrescence is that, and I hear this so many of the mamas that I speak to, Zoe, there is this sense of we don't want to let go of the plans that we had. You know, I've had women say to me, I don't want to go back to my job, but do you know how long and hard I worked for that? Do you know how many hours I put in to get here? Like it's such a grieving process in some ways of realizing that your life has changed. You are a mother. You have children at home. Nothing will be the same. And that's a really hard thing for us to accept because it's not what we were told. We were told we could do anything. We were told we could have that phenomenal career and the babies at home. And some do, of course, but they change though. 
their version of that changes. And until I, I really grieved and accepted that the dream that I set back when I was a teenager actually wasn't what I wanted anymore. I didn't want to yell at my kids every night. I didn't see, it actually makes me emotional saying it, I didn't see my elders get up and get dressed for five years because I was never there. I was up at 3.30 every morning to go to work. But, you know, that was the dream job. I was the leading journalist here in Sydney. You know, that was what I wanted. But actually it wasn't. But I couldn't let it go. I didn't know how to let it go. How did you learn to let it go? Uh, Well, my body told me. (laughs) It was literally, if you go back to work, you put your child at risk. So I had to sit on the couch for 10 weeks. I had daily progesterone inserted internally. And if I got off the couch and walked up the street to the shops, the contractions would start. So for 10 weeks until those daily progesterone was stopped and the two days after we stopped the progesterone, he was born, there is nothing like a super addicted, busy woman (laughs) being told to sit on the couch for 10 weeks. So for those 10 weeks, I did an online meditation course I really had to train myself of how to be slow. It was really, really hard and really confronting. And then it just opened this question, which led me to everything else, of why do we do this to ourselves as women? And then that led me down to the path of the cultural conditioning and the assumptions we make and the the stories we've been told about success and what it means to be a good mother. And all of that unfolded. But first I had to stop. I literally had to stop. I'm really interested in, you know, what we witness when we're children and growing up and how that then affects and interplays with our kind of, as you said, you said that kind of need to prove, you know, feeling not enough, you know, and I absolutely relate. And until I healed all of that on a really deep level, actually, and I think that's what you said when it took you years and years, me too, until I healed all of that, you know, I could use anything in my life to fill that void of not feeling worthy you know including at the start this platform for sure and I'm wondering do you now feel like you've healed you called it an addiction I call it an addiction too do you now feel that you've recovered from that addiction of not feeling enough and that you can now just know that you are enough you know regardless of what you do even this Or do you feel like in a way this is still fueling that part of you that has to prove yourself? It's a brilliant question. And I do see myself, I call it a superwoman addiction, and I do really see it as an addiction. I believe most of the time I do know I am worthy now. I really genuinely can put my hand on my heart and say that. However, what my biggest struggle still is is believing that I I do not have to work my ass off to make things happen, that things can come to me, that I can trust the process, that there is divine timing here. I go into, oh, because, you know, my training for so long at work was get that story on and let's get that person and, oh, have you got that person on the line and let's cover that one. And it was just always this go, 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 go mentality. And so for me to now be at home for five years doing my work from home to 
be okay with a different pace, that still trips me up almost on a daily basis. I don't feel like I'm doing enough. I should be doing more. And if I did more, then I'd have more success. And then more people would know about this and I should be out there. That's my Achilles heel. That's the thing that I have to work on every damn day. Yeah, me too. You know, I can use anything and I can think, well, you know, more people need need to hear these conversations and, you know, I'm holding this space, I need to push. And then it's like the irony is not lost on me. Like there's been many times when my husband Guy said to me, why are you up late working on something when your whole message is about self-worth and, you know, stillness and self-care and it's just so ironic that I can use this platform to be in that old behavior even though the job's different like I used to be in corporate marketing the job's different but I can absolutely still go there because it's core it's not about the outside thing for me it's not about the work that I do it's about how I feel about myself That's it. And this is the thing when you've got, you know, I have a drive to make a difference. I really do. And I know that I can and trust that that's coming most of the time. But it's the what do you do with that that we find so hard because we live in a masculine driven society, a patriarchal society that is about climbing the ladder and achievement and focus and productivity at the expense of everything. You know, We work Monday to Friday, eight till six, no matter what. We don't listen to our bodies. I never listened to my body for 15 years. I did not listen to my body and made myself very sick and nearly made my boy very sick because of it. I love that you say that. You said in the book, you say, we keep going until something breaks and it's usually the body that goes. We seem to be able to run on broken minds much longer than broken bodies. Yeah. And every mama listening to this would know, you know, this is when you get gastro and you're in bed for two days. This is when you get a flu you can't shake and suddenly you have to cancel all your plans. I hate to say it, but this is COVID-19. I feel like, you know, the whole world wasn't listening, was not listening. So we were forced to stop. I feel like that's what happened to my body. But Do we need to get to that breaking point to be able to listen? I don't know. I think human beings are pretty ridiculously habitual characters. I think it appears to be much easier for us to continue with our broken ways than change. So I often do think that the light comes from the crack. I often do think that that's probably the way we have to learn. Yeah, that's been my experience most of my yeah, unfortunately it seems to be like a cruel kind of trick, right? That most of my growth has come from breaking from pain. So if someone's listening and they're kind of really relating to this idea of that they keep pushing, they they're trying to fit their new motherhood self into their old life and dreams, where do they start? So maybe they are on the sofa, you know, as you say, we're in this weird kind of moment where not for a lot of parents, actually, you know, where we've had less time to ourselves than ever. But the outside Mm -hmm. world has slowed, you know, we're not rushing to play groups and schools yet. Where does someone start to explore what is going on with them? how they might start to do the work that you've done and that I'm doing, you know, the inner work of unlearning and figuring out who they are now. 
Well, for me, and I've seen this in hundreds of other mamas now too, thousands of other mamas now, the understanding of matrescence is the piece of the puzzle that we've been missing. My beautiful mentor and teacher, Dr. Orly Athen, who is the world leader on matrescence now at the moment, says words create worlds. And when we don't have a word for what we're experiencing, we go to self-silencing, like I mentioned earlier. We think yeah. we're the only way. We push it down and we just push through. I remember saying to myself for so many years, and this is what we tell all new mothers, this too shall pass. And, you know, I thought it was a great thing. It was almost a mantra at the time, and I'm not so sure anymore. It's kind of like, hold on, don't worry about it, just push through. I don't think that that's the best message for mums anymore. It's better to say, yeah, you're experiencing something and it's called matrescence, and you are undoing everything that you've known about yourself and you're going to rebuild it, and it's going to be bumpy as hell. You're going to question things like you've never questioned before. There will be moments of such joy and wonder, and there will be moments of you thinking, what the hell have I done? And that's okay. I've spent so long now, Zoe, reading books about these ancient ways that women used to welcome new mothers into this process. Like we used to sit together in circle and be passed down this wisdom. Can you imagine if you had someone that said to you, yeah, you're going to change your mind and it's okay. I think if you're at the very beginnings of this, even just acknowledging every mother on the planet is going through this too, that it's not because you're failing or because you've suddenly became soft and you don't want to go back to your job in the bank anymore or any of those things we tell ourselves. It's called matrescence and it is a beautiful invitation for you to look at your values, look at the things you thought you wanted in your life, question where it's going, have some really beautiful but confronting maybe conversations with your partner or your work. This is a process that we are going to be going through. And when you do that, it's almost like you let yourself off the hook a little bit. Every time I start telling mamas about matrescence, their eyes fill with tears and they say, oh, I thought it was just me. I can't believe there's a word for it. And I think the more we can do that, the more we give each other permission to speak up and say, I don't know what I'm doing and I don't know who I am anymore, but that's okay because I know on the other side I'm going to be better than ever. Yeah, because I love that your mentor said this quote in the book, understanding that motherhood is the psychological and spiritual birth of a woman is the greatest story we have never been told. Isn't that so powerful? And I've heard it so many times. Look, Dr. Orly Athen has changed my life. She is one of those true elders who just supports women to rise. And her work into this, it will change the way we support mothers. You know, her vision is to have departments of matrescence in hospitals. We need to acknowledge that this is a whole process. You don't finish at the six-week mark after you give birth and off you go, back to your life now. Like yeah. that can't happen anymore. You don't stop matrescence. Her and I have spent a lot of time talking about this. We think, you know, well, I think my hypothesis is that there seems to be something about the seven-year mark. So you 
at school and that's a bit rocky and it takes you a year or two for that new routine, that new realisation that your baby is at school and then you start almost waking up and looking around and thinking, okay, well, that's done, so what about me? And it doesn't stop there because, you know, my eldest is 12 and we're still going with me figuring out who I am. But I do think that those first seven years, and then, of course, it repeats every time you have a new baby, you start back at zero again. Yeah. Those first seven years, when you really have zero time to yourself, you're sleep-deprived and you have postnatal depletion, thank you, Dr. Oscar Serilac, there's so many things going on. You're in this messy, middle, beautiful incubator where you're really figuring out who you are and what this is. It's really important. It's fascinating the seven years because all the cells in the body renew every seven years, don't they? So the seven-year cycle is often talked about in, as you say, kind of ancient texts and it's fascinating. And I think, you know, seeing becoming a mother as a time to get to know ourselves now, you know, who are we now that we're a mother? And your book then sets beautifully the stage for how broken the way that we talk about motherhood is. And then not only that, you give these kind of beautiful ways that we can access answering that question, who I am now. And I'm wondering if you could talk about kindness and self-compassion and what you've learned about that and how that's helped you figure out this kind of matrescence journey. Absolutely. You know, all great philosophical teachings start with self-compassion and forgiveness and kindness. But I think when you really understand what happens to a woman when she doesn't understand presence, when the culture and society around her hasn't allowed her to see herself as changing, has actually asked her not to change, don't change your body, don't change your relationship, don't change your career, don't who you are, then she is going to be judged daily. It's like trying to hold a teenager down as a child, like treating them like a child when they're changing before your eyes. For me, what that looked like was I was incredibly hard on myself, really, really hard on myself, as most women are. I want to say as all women are, probably true. I used to write a blog back in the days of being a superwoman because, you know, my serious career at the ABC wasn't enough. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I laugh about it now because that was a good idea, Amy. And I used to write about the inner mean mama well before I even really knew what that was. The inner mean mama is this voice that just tells you you're doing a bad job. If you got up earlier, if you were more organized, you wouldn't forget book week costume. You wouldn't have done that. It's constant story. There's constant voice that is criticizing you all of the time. So when we start any of this work, it has to be with this level of compassion and kindness that you didn't know what matrescence was. Nobody's told you. You're trying to figure this out. You've kept it all inside. And it's time for you to just start this compassion that you're figuring it out. I remember when my little boy 
was finally born and I'd put him in the pram and just walk the footpaths around our house, you know, at that 2.30, 3 o'clock in the afternoon time where they need to sleep but they won't sleep and so you just walk and walk. And I would do that and I remembered reading Louise Hay once saying, you know, I love and accept myself. I love and accept myself as an affirmation. And this was obviously after I'd been through that whole two weeks of sitting on the couch and I was really determined to change my life. I really never wanted to be in that place ever again. So I would push the pram and to the beat of my feet, I would say, I love it and accept myself and accept myself. I love and accept myself because I was so sleep deprived, third child, (laughs) just trying to keep myself awake. And at the beginning, my voice would answer back and it would say, no, you don't. No, you don't. I could not even say the words. It was so ingrained that I wasn't doing well enough. I wasn't good enough, but I just kept going. I just kept doing it and doing it and doing it and doing it. And eventually it starts sinking in. It's not as simple as that, of course. It's not just about repeating words. There's a lot of others that have to go with it. Yeah. But I do think these small little practices, you know, I started with three-minute meditation. That's how this all began. It's all I could fit in. It's all I could do. Three minutes and I love and accept myself was just this tiny beginnings of compassion and kindness. And that voice comes in still, oh, I can't do this today. That's one of the things that comes into my mind often. That little voice that used to say, no, you don't, now actually says, yes, you can, Amy. That voice is now this inner wonderful mother who supports me. It's been years of training that voice to speak back to me with kindness and compassion. So beautiful. And I love how you talk about those accessible tools, you know, that three-minute meditation and these affirmations. What other kind of accessible tools have you got in your toolkit that you can open up and share with us? Oh, wow. I feel like my whole life is a toolkit now. (laughs) I'm like, you should see my desk. Seriously, the serious journalist would be mortified looking at this desk. There are books around essential oils and affirmations and rewiring your brain and all things. It's hilarious. What I do mostly is I have to start my day myself. That is my number one practice. And I know mothers with babies like you still have, that can seem impossible. But even when I had my little boy, three minutes on the shower floor, on the bathroom floor, lock the door, and I would do a three-minute meditation. And as long as there was something tiny, there's a spectacular quote in a book that changed my life called Circle of Stones. If any of your listeners are wanting to read about how we should have been taught about being a woman and becoming a mother and becoming an elder, the book, it changed my life. There's a gorgeous quote in there. I am finding that it takes a lot of time to be a woman to have a feeling of space and breath, a chance to sink into myself. As long as I take time every morning to light a candle to my life, it remains my life. But if I hurry into work without that small moment of quiet, then I've already lost myself and me. And that idea of lighting a candle to your life, that 
has stuck with me for years. And I would just say to everyone, find a way to light a candle to your life first, even if it is literally lighting a candle and that's all you get to do. There has to be something that honours you as a woman that is changing because we're so focused on being a mother and a partner and a wife and all the things because that's what we've been taught we need to be to be enough. You just have to have the tiniest practice of something that's for you. Just light a candle for yourself. Mm, That's really beautiful. That phrase is beautiful because I think that's what happens, isn't it, is when we, you know, I often say, you know, we love our children so much we forget to love ourselves. And, of course, then, you know, we unravel and break in the ways that you describe. And I think that tiny practice of even, you know, asking yourself, you know, how have I lit a candle for my own life today? Have I Mm -hmm. made myself a nutritious meal or did I gobble down the remains of, you know, fish fingers for the kids? You know, such simple, tiny ways that we get to tell ourselves that we're worth it. You know, something that I think about often is that all my behaviours throughout my days are telling myself what I think of myself. You know, so if I forget to drink water, what am I telling myself? That I'm not worthy of drinking water when I'm thirsty. And then it's kind of an unravelling in my experience. So I love that kind of micro idea of how have I lit a candle to myself today? It's really beautiful. It is, isn't it? I remember one of the very first blog posts I wrote like 10 years ago was called Meditation and Mascara. They were the two things that I needed. I needed three minutes and I need to put mascara on just to say, yep, I'm here. This is me. Okay. I'm showing up. That's truly how it started, lighting that candle to my life. And when I don't, if I skip that for any reason, and I mean, it doesn't have to be the full 20 minute practice, but if I don't consciously pause and think of something that I'm just honoring for me, every time I'm a cranky mum, it's because I didn't light a candle to my life first. Yeah, well, it's such a cliche, but it's a cliche for a reason, isn't it? Is that we cannot pour from an empty cup. No, and I think so I... often we can think about that cup being like kind of glamorous self-care, you know, or like having a bath. And for me, it's not what it means at all. Like my cup is my connection to myself. Am I connected to my feelings? Am I connected to my triggers, what's going on for me? Am I connected to my marriage, my friendships? You know, it's not about, I think it's in the book you talk about it, actually. It's not about green smoothies and, you know, yoga classes. And I think sometimes that message can get really confused for mums. Oh, absolutely. When I went into early age 20, doing yoga three times a week, I had my own blog about self-care for mothers. How (laughs) ironic. How ironic, because I was a health journalist on the side, so I'd write about green smoothies and yoga and pranic breath and all of that stuff, but all of that with a busy mind because it was the right thing to do. I didn't do it to honour myself, and I certainly didn't ask myself, how are you, Amy, and what's going on with you, and why can't you slow down? Like I didn't ask any of those questions. So that's what real self-care is. It is a care of yourself. And so, yeah, it took many years to learn that lesson. (laughs) Yeah. Well, self-care to me is exactly as you were saying, it's staying connected to me. 
Mm-hmm. You know, and some days maybe I do choose to do that through having a bath, but some days I also choose to do that through journaling, going to therapy, you know, staying connected to who I am, you know, and using that as my anchor because otherwise I become anchorless. And then, like you were saying, you know, I'm really done for because my busy, crazy mind will take over and tell me I'm not good enough. And then before I know it, I'm screaming at Jesse. So I, exactly. ha- I have to stay connected to me. Yeah. I've often said to mamas in my programs and in my podcast, you know, left to my own devices, I am really self-destructive negative person. The reason I've turned this into a career is because I need this. I need really deep daily practices to be kind to myself. I heard Elizabeth Gilbert speak in Australia earlier this year. She was here right before our borders were shut. Thank goodness she came in and she said she has to wake up every morning and love and then love writes back because if she doesn't, she will be deep in depression again, that it has to be this daily practice of, right, first thing I do, connect with love. What does love want to say? And it was because I thought, well, if Elizabeth Gilbert has to work this hard on it, then maybe okay because I have to work this hard on it too. I really do. It's not a natural thing for me, but it's becoming, it's becoming who I am, which is amazing and I'm the same you know I often talk about that that you know my mind is wired for fear negativity and overwhelm that's where I go if I don't counteract it with some sort of practice that's absolutely where I go and I think for me you know the reason it's so important for me to do these tiny practices you know lighting a candle to myself that phrase has really struck me is because Mm. the world outside of us invites us to do everything but doesn't it the moment we open our phones or open a newspaper or walk outside and see what everyone else is doing you know it didn't used to be like that this is a modern day phenomenon so I think it's even more important arguably than it ever has been for us to connect to what's real and true and important for us because if we don't the world's going to tell us isn't it? Like the world's going to say, this is what you need to be doing. This is what motherhood looks like. This is the type of job. This is what's important. This is what success is. And if we don't define that for ourselves, you know, I've done that for years. That was my first 12 years of kind of adulthood was letting the world define it for me. Yes. And we can get very, very lost. We can. And I believe we're at a time, hence my book called Mama Rising, I do believe we're at a time where we can change this. Mm. I believe that enough of us have been broken by the system. Enough of us have ended up with sick bodies, sick minds, addictions, burnout, broken marriages, you know, yelling at our kids. The number of women over the last five years that have reached out to me and saying, I don't know why, but I am so angry. I yell. I don't want to be like this. And they think there's something wrong with them. There isn't. It is the system that we are meant to be succeeding in that is set up for us to fail. We cannot be all to everything. We can't. And until we literally say, no way, I'm not doing it anymore, it won't change. But you only find that courage to say no when you do the work with loving and accepting yourself, is realising I'm not who I used to be and that I don't want to be that person anymore. 
I want a more balanced, healthy version of myself. Mm. So I do hope that we're at a time in history where this will start to turn. I'm the same, you know, and I love the passion in your voice. You know, I, I feel the same way. I always ask the same question at the end of every interview and I can't wait to hear your answer, which is if you could give just one gift to all the mothers in the world, what would it be and why? The gift of matrescence, of the understanding of this bottom ancient insight into a woman's evolution. You know, we used to revere and celebrate women. We saw them as the creators of life and they're celebrated and they were seen as the creators of everything and their transformation through motherhood and then into being the wise elder was the most important and honouring thing to be able to do. And we have ripped that out of a woman's life. We have told her she needs to stay in one place and be the same. So if I could gift something to every mama, it would be this understanding of matrescence. However they find it is beyond me. It does not bother me. I just want it to be a word that we understand as a culture now. I think you are doing an incredible job, you know, and I honour and thank you for your work and your activism and your book, which is, you know, Mama Rising. It's incredible. So thank you for your work. And I just hope that's my dream too, you know, that we totally change the narrative around what it means to be a mother. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your time this evening. It's been an honour and a joy. Thank you, Amy. Oh, thank you. And same to you. Your work is so spectacular and I'm thrilled to be speaking with you about it. Thank you so much. So that's it. Thank you for listening to the episode. I hope you really enjoyed it. And if you did, please do leave a review on iTunes. It does make a massive difference to the number of mums that we can reach with this content. If you were listening to that episode, thinking about one of your friends that they might benefit from what we were chatting about, then just tag them in on Instagram. My bio will include the link to the podcast so they can find it really easily from there. People often tell me they're desperate to share it with their friends. So if that's you, then please do. I feel like the guests that we have on the podcast, their wisdom just deserves to be heard far and wide. So help me make that happen. I'd be very grateful. And also, if you want to send me any comments or thoughts about the episode, then please pop over onto Instagram at motherkind underscore Zoe. And also just to let you know about my coaching. So I do work one-on-one with mums on my programme which is a three-month program called Reconnect to You. So if you want to work with me on taking your power back in any area of your life, then please do get in touch. Just drop me an email, zoe at motherkind.co or look on the website, www.motherkind.co. That's it. And I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Take care.